Hi there, I'm Jay Comfrey and this is High Performance, the podcast that reminds you it's within. Your ambition, your purpose, your story are all there. Here in the new year, we're going to help unlock it by turning the lived experiences of the planet's highest performers into your life lessons. However, we do get lots of messages, myself and Professor Damien Hughes, from people who want more. They want more content. They want more access to high performance. And if you would like to start 2023 getting closer to your own version of high performance, then you can subscribe to High Performance Plus. For the price of just a couple of cups of coffee a month, you will get extra episodes, you'll get bonus content, you'll get exclusive Q&A sessions, all with no adverts. If you want to sign up for High Performance Plus, you can just click the link in the description to this podcast or check out the highperformancepodcast.com. And today we're uploading for High Performance Plus subscribers a conversation with the incredible CEO of the Discovery Group, Adrian Gore. Now, if you want the full extended chat, then you too can subscribe to High Performance Plus. But if you can't or you don't fancy it, I still wanted to give you a 15-minute taster of the conversation we had with Adrian because I think there is so much value for you. He's the founder and the CEO of a multi-billion pound turnover business, but he's done it through putting value and behavior at the heart of what he does. So here is a short taster of the conversation you can hear in full right now on High Performance Plus. This is the CEO and the founder of the Discovery Group, Adrian Gore, on how he's built his empire. Well, look, first of all, thank you very much for joining us. Let's start as we always do. In your mind, what represents high performance? I think high performance is represented by, I think, real impact that changes people. Um, and it's something that's very, very hard to achieve. And it must be a force for good, in my view. So, you know, off the cuff, I would say it is about impact. It is about achievement, but I think it must have a sense of purpose and morality to it. And that actually um, rings true with the life that you've lived and the business that you've created. Let's talk about discovery. Um, one of the most impressive businesses on the planet, um, one of the most impactful businesses on the planet. You regularly named the um, top CEO in South Africa. So let's talk about where this all started from, because I, you get entrepreneurial people. You get people that are doers and, and graft, but it's the big thinking that I'm interested in. Where did this mindset of having a positive impact as well as being an elite business person come from? Look, I think the, the start of discovery was decades back when uh, Nelson Mandela was kind of coming out of prison, the end of apartheid. And the idea of starting a health insurance company was the the vision, the entrepreneurial vision. The uh, it always, from the, from the get-go, I think in our position was about doing good for people. But the, the, the breakthrough was, certainly in South Africa at that time, uh, just the huge levels of disease burden, HIV, AIDS, you know, a huge amount of uh, people that are sick and too few doctors. So, you know, how do you, you know, the problem statement was, how do you build a sustainable health insurance company in that kind of environment? And our breakthrough was the simple idea of could we make people healthier? You know, could we incentivize people to do healthy things? And, th and that was the, the uh, start of vitality which was the concept of, in a sense, just uh, creating incentives or all kinds of things to live in a healthy way. W what happened to us, I guess, is that the world, you know, kind of technology, the understanding in our industry that a lot of risk is behavioral, you know, you make choices, um, and the power of purpose, that kind of gave the model global relevance, and we've kind of really escalated across the world. In the UK, as you know, vitality is, is for us a very important part of our business. So it came out of really trying to solve a narrow problem of, of, you know, funding healthcare in a very complex environment. 
I think most great businesses do come out of solving difficult issues, you know, often in, often in hostile, complex environments. But um, I, I would say to you, I'd just add, I'd add also, I think what, what has made the, the, the business very successful is the, um, it's been based on, on the concept of a simple purpose, make people healthier. So while it's a complex technology actuarial business, it's got a very simple purpose, make people healthier and a set of values. And I think in our industry, what's fantastic is, is when people are healthier, we are more profitable. So there's no there's no dissonance, you know. In other words, if you know we do well for our customers, they do well for us, and so we've had this amazing shared value mindset of just there's no downside. The better we do, the better they do. We're all in totally and completely aligned. So the business has just rolled, you know, and uh, it's been the most wonderful wonderful journey for us, I think. And just over time, we now have 40 million customers across the world, um, and we have the real potential. I think we are reshaping financial services in, into this idea of shared value. It's been hard work, but it's been an easy journey, ironically. So, Adrian, can I ask you around this message around about the power of purpose? Because we read about it a lot, you know, like the Jim Collins, the good to great of having this eternal core and the strategy will change regularly. But I'm interested in speaking to somebody that can tell us about why purpose is so powerful and how it influences your day-to-day decision-making and pretty much everything around your business. Would you just go into a little bit more detail about that for us? First, I think purpose should come first before the business in a way. So if you're trying to retrofit a purpose on, it's not really authentic. I think if the purpose shapes the business, then you've got something authentic that you're building. In other words, it's your North Star. The other point is that purpose is fundamental, I think, in motivating the best people. You attract great people when they see a purpose of nobility. I don't think people are attracted to a business just trying to make money or a quick buck. I think people, especially today, where you're dealing with ambiguity, complexity, highly skilled data science people, clinical people, etc. People like that want to see, I think all people want to see purpose in something that has a positive impact on society. So to an extent, I think purpose allows you to attract the best people. It gives you a North Star. It lets you ride the very difficult times with a sense of confidence. Um, and I think, I mean, what's the counterfactual? No purpose and a focus on just profitability. I don't think it's durable, you know. So we were, I think, lucky starting out with that purpose as a necessity. And it just became, you know, we were kind of purpose and values based rather than rules based, you know, and it just kind of perpetuated. So can you give us a specific example, say, when you've been sat around a board table and the purpose has helped you decide a business decision that you might not invest in or or a direction that you might not travel, how that sense of that original purpose has has determined your strategy. Could you give us a specific example? Well, I I think in the business context, we have expanded the model by continuously drawing back on the purpose. You know, so we, we took it from health into life insurance into banking now that if we help people manage their money better, it's better for them and better for us. So the shared value purpose, it's financial health, but it's the same idea. And then we've, we've, we've kind of migrated it uh, to doing good for society. You know, so we are, for example, in the South African context, we have a problem of, sounds, it sounds bizarre, terrible potholes in the roads, which create fatalities. And so, you know, we invest a lot of money on fixing potholes, bizarrely. You know, it wasn't a business endeavor, but we said, this is our purpose. You know, in the rollout of the vaccine during COVID, we, we vaccinated you know, a couple million people, we were central to the response with government. So all of us in the boardroom, the narrative was about, does this fit into our concept of make people healthier, you know, and, and we've just rolled on that purpose. So it, it's, it's a fundamental filter around what we do. And the concept of vitality is now in health, it's in banking, 
vitality money, it's in how you drive, you know, drive safer. I think the irony of purpose is while the, the organization has got more complex and more diverse over time, the actual architecture of using the shared value vitality structure has got more and more discipline. We become more focused, not less. And I think that is the power of purpose. You don't lose focus. You don't become spread out and kind of, you know, diluted. So if there was any young entrepreneurs listening to this then that might be wanting to go on a similar journey to you, can you give us some insights as to how they could go about identifying that really compelling sense of purpose that you did back in the early 90s? Well, I, th I think that if you, this, listen, this is my view, but I think that if you are setting out a business as an entrepreneur, I think you have to have a product or a service you truly believe society wants. You know, I, I don't, you know, I think you have to have something that you believe you can sell. And my sense is embedded in that product or service should be a purpose that helps people or helps society. If you have that, I think around that you can build a narrative that is inspiring and you can build a business. But that's not sufficient. I mean, that's not sufficient. There's a sense of drive and urgency and driving for achievement, you know, and innovation and uh, that's needed. It's not enough, but but it, it's the fundamental start. And I, it's an incredibly perpetuating multiplicative effect, having a strong purpose, you know, whether you're running a sports team, you're running a business, you're running a country, it is fundamental. I mean, I, I do have to say, so I'm digressing a bit, but I think the issue of Framing a vision and a goal in any way is a fundamental purpose of leadership. And I think a business without that frame, without that purpose, it's it's aimless, you know. So to me, it's it's kind of a, it's a sine qua non. It's hard to start without that, I think. And this is a really interesting area for us to focus on because we're talking about, um, you know, your own personal wealth has been talked about and written about up in the hundreds of millions we're talking about a business that's turned over billions of pounds over over the last few years so for it all to come from purpose I think is a really good message for many many entrepreneurs that listen to this podcast but I want to go right back to that very start where you had this vision you had this idea but what you were planning on doing was something totally different to every other insurance business right so I want to talk about bravery now you've got the vision where does the bravery come from to almost swim against the tide when everyone is saying, Adrian, this is not going to work. Look at what everyone else does. And they are, by the way, successful businesses that are doing it in this way. Where did the courage of your convictions come from to believe and then walk in the direction that you thought you should? I think you're being generous with courage, maybe. I, I, my sense is that, that, that bravery and courage comes from conviction. I think if, if you need, if you need, if you feel you need bravery and you're taking risk, you're probably doing the wrong thing. I know there's risk inherent in what you're doing. I'm just saying, if you're feeling that it's risky, that's problematic. So I probably took a massive risk. I just don't remember it. You know, our business has metamorphosized over time. It's been the purpose that has given us that guideline. It's never been a, you know, we've just built a bank in our, in our home market here. I mean, that was probably the biggest thing we've done. It had a considerable amount of risk. I don't remember feeling the risk, you know. So I'm not sure it's the right guideline, but if you're feeling risk, you shouldn't be taking it. Uh, if you're not feeling it, you probably are at risk, but that's conviction maybe, you know. You see, I've always thought that in business, like a certain element of risk is where the rewards might lie. Like I, if you don't take a modicum of risk, can you really have an impact? Isn't everything kind of risky? No, you, you, you're totally right. I, I'm, I guess I'm making the point of the paradox that if you're feeling the risk, that's problematic. So you, there's a risk, but I'm not convinced that you should be feeling at risk all the time. Mm. I think that the issue is you should have a sense of confidence. And I, I think if you don't have that confidence, that resilience, th there's going to be failure all the way. You're going to hit bumps in the road unless you 
have this shit sense, I'll roll over it, I'll find my way through it. You know, it's that it's that ability to kind of be realistic about risk, but also resilience to deal with it. So I'm 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 being long-winded, but I think you are taking risk, but you shouldn't be feeling it. And we will talk about failure in detail in a moment because it's one of the hot topics for us on high performance. But before we get to the point where you need the failure, you have to set the business up to allow yourself to fail. So there you are, no money, no business plan, yet you manage to bring people on the journey and you manage to get people to invest to allow you to create this business. So would you mind sharing with our listeners the secret to bringing people on the journey with you and getting them to buy into your vision? I think that your business proposition and purpose needs to be highly convincing. You know, that's the first to get shareholders to to invest money and then to get people to come on board. The other point I would make is, is I keep relearning the power of people. If you have exceptional people, they attract exceptional people. If you start with poor quality people, I don't mean that to mean derogatory. I'm saying if you start with people that aren't up to the task, that is a self-perpetuating prophecy. On the other hand, if you start with exceptional people, for some reason it starts to roll. So, you know, I had this mindset at the, at the, at the get-go that, well, we'll be small. We're going to be the smartest team there is. We're going to get the best people. And, there, you know, every all of the first team that joined me were all exceptional. Hard work to convince them. But once they started to roll, you know what I mean? Your ability to get good people follows. And uh, I think our team today, which is 15,000 people across the world, it's exceptional. Because we've never dropped the standards. We've been completely obsessed with absolutely exceptional people. So I, I think that I think that the convincing is hard at the start. But if you get going with the right purpose and the right people, it perpetuates. But I come back to values as well. I think that people are, certainly exceptional people, are attracted to to impact, a life of impact and a business of impact, you know. Uh, and this kind of cognitive error people make that you think people will be excited by shareholders making money and their hard work. I don't think that's true. I think they want to hear this business is making a difference, you know. So it's, it's, it's a simple formula, not easy to achieve, but I think it's entirely doable. So tell us about good people then. What's your definition? I think firstly, it is, it is about a values fit. You know, I think that you need people that, that share the same purpose and same values. You can have the smartest people if they have a values a misfit that could be extremely dangerous in the business. So my view is is kind of culture and values. I don't mean culture nationally. I'm saying a sense of what we're trying sure. to achieve. I do believe, you know, this ratio of EQ over IQ should be very carefully managed. And I think you should avoid ego, egotistical people. You know, IQ divided by ego must be much greater than one. <laughs> you know, your IQ must be much bigger than your ego. Ego unchecked is problematic. But um, I must say, I'm a junkie for real talent. Uh, I don't mean just education. We hire incredibly smart people. But I'm saying looking into proper EQ, IQ education. I think you need to look at that stuff uh, carefully. Um, so there is a sense that there is a hunch I think people have when you're starting a business of good people. You need to you need to trust that intuition about who you're getting in the early days. As I said, I keep relearning. You can have the most brilliant idea with a poor team and a poor leadership team. They mess it up. And a poor idea of brilliant people, some of that taken and they do amazing stuff with it. So that was just um, a short little taster of what you can expect from Adrian. If you want to hear the conversation in full, then you can do so right now on our subscription service, High Performance Plus. Just hit the link in the description to this podcast and you will get so much access to so much additional content, all of it with no adverts. So if you want more from High Performance in 2023, Click the link right now in the description to this podcast and subscribe for just a few pounds a month. Thank you so much for listening to, for growing and for sharing this podcast among your community. In 2023, 
Let's work together to make a real difference for everyone and get more people than ever before closer to their own version of high performance. Thank you.